I just told Richie we bitch. Welcome back to the Monday to Monday podcast. This week we speak to A Lau about the New York music scene, the different types of music producers, the creation of off-record studios, and the importance of YouTube and Facebook to New York City's drill scene. Today's guest, we have A Lau. How's it going, man? What's up, man? How you doing? Doing good. We've known each other for a while now. Yes, sir. How many years? Like three years, four years? Yeah, probably about four years. You were you were coming around in the in the in the early days of off records, so yeah, we're in off records now, which is cool sure. because uh, I appreciate you allowing us to do the podcast in this space, man. Definitely, definitely. We, you know, we tried to we tried to set it up for a little multimedia action. So hell yeah. Well, when I think of New York and I think of New York producers, I think of you, man. I think of a couple people, Tony Seltzer, obviously, and a few others. But I, I always think about you, and I want it. For everyone listening, like if we could start with you talking a little bit about where you're from, how you came up, and like what was the moment when you knew that you could take this serious as a producer and like this could be your career? I mean, new, you know, New York City has has a lot to do with my story. You know, I'm from here. I was I was born in Brooklyn, so I've been in New York my whole life. I haven't done too much traveling or, or living outside of New York, so um, it's definitely played a big part in my character. And um, I think that um, I've watched uh, New York go from like the forefront of hip hop to Atlanta being the forefront of hip hop and kind of watched New York try to deal with that transition. And I've seen a lot of people jump ship and kind of just it going from being like a um, kind of like a community and like a sound to, to everyone kind of just like going out to the rest of the world, trying to find like the hottest artists. And like, I think I've always prided myself on staying here and trying to find who the talent from here is going to be. And like, um, and yeah, you know, just, just repping my city, you know, I think it's something ironically, not too many, especially producers do from here. So, you know, I I try to fill that space. And and when did you know that like this was going to be a career for you? Like at what point were you like, wow, I could take this like this could be like my job that pays my bills? Um, well, music, I've always known that I love music more than anyone else around me. Like, obviously, you know, when you're a kid, everyone loves music and everyone's a fan. But like, I think that I always just had like a like a little more passion in me than like most of my peers about it. And, um, you know, I would, I tried everything, you know, I've tried engineering, doing music videos, rapping, producing, like I've, I've been on every side of it and really producing was the thing that like, um, stuck with me the most in the sense that I think that it was like my most impressive ability out of all the things that I was trying. And it was the thing that I was most comfortable with doing like you know i wake up every single day and i'm i'm and i'm in the mood to make beats so you know like i think that it's like when you have a passion for a certain area i think you should try as many things out as you can and and like stick with the thing that sticks with you so that that's what production was for me for sure okay i see so like your passion like you had no other choice you had to try this yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah, like, for me, it was like, ne- like, getting a regular job was never going to be something that I, w- I was going to do, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I was, I was a good learner, but I didn't enjoy attending school, so I didn't get good grades in school, you know, I got, um, like, kicked out of school twice in high school, so, like, I, I knew early on that I probably wouldn't be living, like, a, a conventional lifestyle as far as a career path, um, so I did, I was looking into the arts early and, um, yeah, you know, I tried everything out, you know, I was draw- drawing and, and painting for a large period of my life too, you know? Um, but like I said, you know, when you try everything and you go all in then you know, you're going to find out like what, what you're meant to do. I feel like. Yeah, true. I think so. One time Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, he told me, um, you know, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you shouldn't try other things because you might be better. So as you just said, like you were an artist, a painter, or you tried rapping, like, you know, no matter how good you were or weren't, it's good that you kept trying other stuff to figure out what was best for you. So that's cool, man. I I really like that mindset. Um, 
And when I earlier when I mentioned, you know, like I think of New York, I think of you and Tony Seltzer and a few other producers. I'm always about the new guys. Like I'm always about the hustlers, about the people who are like on the come up. Because I, I realized after saying that, people might be like, "What are you talking about?" Like you're thinking New York and you're thinking these guys, but I think of you guys because you guys are like the the energy right now for me in the city. Like you know what's going on. You have your ears to the street. Like you're working with the the hot new people. And I wanted to ask you about that. Like two questions. Like what's your view on the current state of New York music? And then the second question we'll get into after your view on the current state is just like, who are the new people you're working with? So um, my view on the state of New York hip hop right now is um, honestly like changing every day at this moment, obviously, because we've gone through a lot this year or just in the past year, you know, um, Pop Smoke came through and 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 did a lot of things for our city. You know what I mean? He came through with with some big records and like a new a new sound that it was being introduced. At least a new str- sound for the mainstream. You know, and um, I think everyone has really been enjoying that a lot. And I think that um, um, it's interesting. You know, I was I was having a conversation with my friend about it the other day and I'm like, you know, every night when you go to the club, it don't matter where in America you at, it might not be just drill music playing, but you're going to hear a drill song. That's the main thing that drill has done for New York. Is like you go to a club now and you're going to hear at least Big Drip or Dior. You know what I'm saying? Right. If not all if not all the hot drill songs, but you're going to hear at least one. And to me, that's like the world conditioning its ear to the new sound. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, you know, um, rest in peace since Pop passed. I think everyone's trying to figure out, you know, where, where does it go now? And in, to me, drill can be a lot of things, you know? Like, um, I think that people can sing over drill like I think that you can make a pop record over drill because really what drill is it there's two aspects of it there's the drill culture you know what I mean which is like gang like gang shit street shit but then there's also like the actual sound which to me is just a drum pattern okay you know what I mean it's just a which is ironically the same thing as a snare pattern in a dance song you know what I'm saying so So to me, it's like, all right, if we hone into the sonics of what drill is, we could take this pretty much everywhere. And it's the same way I I have felt about SoundCloud music. You know what I mean? Which you can't even call SoundCloud music anymore. But I was working with a lot of those guys in the beginning of that. And, you know, people only really, just like Pop Smoke and Favi, in the beginning, people only cared about like two, three SoundCloud rappers. You know what I mean? And no one really thought this was going to be the thing and it's like bro you can make a million millionaires with this new sound you know what i'm saying this is a whole brand new sound people have been trying to find a way to take hip-hop to the next place for like 15 years now and now you have this thing and you know lo and behold two years later everybody soundcloud rap has become such a big thing that now it's just rap you know what i'm saying like you can't name an artist even if they don't blow up on soundcloud or have nothing to do with that generation who sonically doesn't have stuff on their project that was created by that wave yeah you know what i'm saying whether it be like shit going from sampling to like the, the the playful synthesizers or like the um you know like the um like the plug 808s, you know what I'm saying? To the drum patterns, it's like it it created the new wave of music. So I think if you look at drill the same way, like, okay, yeah, people think that drill is kind of just this thing that's done by like Brooklyn gangsters or like UK guys. But like, you know, I think that it's very possible for it to be done by by everyone in different ways and for people to make different genres with those sonics. So, um, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, labels and A&Rs have hit me up trying to come let, like have me put them onto the, the Brooklyn drill artists coming up and they're all looking for the next pop smoke. And I tell them all, I'm like, yo, you're not going to get the next pop smoke. You know what I mean? There was only one, even if you find a guy in Canarsie that looks and sounds just like him, that's not what you should be looking for. Like you should right. be looking for the guy or the guys or the girls that could do something different with the sounds, but like have it move people. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Cause it could still be new. It could still be interesting. 
but you know, it'll be its own thing. That's a good point. Yeah, people shouldn't all people should never look to replace someone exactly. Ever. Got to move. You got to keep evolving. Because fans are sm- yo, fans are smarter than people give credit to. You're not gonna go find a clone and have them be okay with it. They're gonna be like, bro, what the fuck is this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so I think you know, I think that's important. Like, even if you're a great impersonator of a great artist, if that great artist already exists, like, you better off just trying something new. That's true. That's really true. So speaking about new artists blowing up, like who are you working with right now that we should be paying attention to? Um, right now. So like, like I was saying before, like I've always taken an interest in like working with like New York artists in the start. Like, um, like I worked with Jay Critch really early on. Like he performed at my birthday party, like before he was even signed. And like TJ, I had did a song with him. Like, um, I think he might've been signed already, but he probably had like 7,000 followers. And like, so I've always like kind of taken pride in like trying to find like artists, like right before they become like the biggest thing and like kind of putting in groundwork with them. Right. So, um, lately, you know, my, my interest has definitely been, um, directed towards the drill shit, um, in New York. Cause you know, that's, what's going crazy now. And ironically, I'd been working with these drill artists like very heavily, like um, before Welcome to the Party was made. So when Welcome to the Party came out, it was kind of fire because, you know, I had um, been following um, Axel Beats and we had talked and me and Axel Beats have collabed before and shit like that. So I was like, oh, like this shit is getting for real now. Like this shit is really getting attention now. I was like, yo, we got to we got to go all the way with this. So, you know, um, I ended up finding um, about basically like I know these guys from Crown Heights 2605 Gloss Gang for a long time, for many years now, probably since like 2014. And um, they got it's like a big group. It's like a big group of guys, a lot of like affiliations and shit like that. It's pretty much a whole neighborhood of kids. And like they got these these young boys that started releasing videos on YouTube and like didn't really have much direction. And, um, you know, I heard about this kid Taz OB and I heard about this kid Rocco Ballin and they were putting out, um, like I said, they were just putting out music on YouTube, trying to figure out where they can get studio time at. And I, I just literally reached out to them. I was like, yo, you can come to my studio. You can use my studio for free. Like, let's just let's just get working you know what i'm saying like let's just like do this the right way like really plot things out methodically and like make shit happen love that and then perfect timing when this was all happening my boy ar um came home from a four-year sentence um he got locked up back in like 2016 i believe and um he had just came home november 2019 and he had called me like uh, probably like a month before he got out, like, yo, I want you, like, I want to go straight to the studio. And I was like, bet I'll book out a session for you. <laughs> so we picked up AR, took him straight to the studio, made a song, shot a video, released it. And ever since then, he's been releasing a video every two weeks since November, every two weeks. And they're mm. all doing numbers. Like he's got hundred thousand, 200,000, 50,000, 60,000. All his shit is doing numbers now. And he's just, been very very relentless with these releases and then he paired up with Tazo and Tazo's over here doing like 200 300,000 on 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 all his YouTube videos so they get together they start making tracks together all all over my production too and um and we're like fuck it let you know let's just make a tape a Tazo AR tape cuz We've been releasing a video, like I told you, like we've released 13 videos on YouTube in 2020 already. Damn, so like, that's crazy. Yeah, like if you go to Raps and Hustles, like we're pretty much running that page. Like um, like there's a drop from us every week or two drops from us every week on Raps and Hustles since the beginning of 2020. Like we have not, not been letting up. And we got a tape, you know, um, I'm producing the whole tape, the 2-6-AR Tazo tape, which is dropping this Friday, Friday the 13th, 2-6 never left. So it's like really coming together. We're trying to do it like real, um, um, like organized the right way. And then Tazo and Rocco 
ended up, I mean, Tazo and AR ended up linking with Rocco because they have mutual friends. And, you know, it's kind of like they need a person kind of like not a manager, but someone to kind of like getting these guys together because they don't really like to take the initiative for collaboration. So I'm calling Rocco like, yo, I'm going to go to East New York. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to bring you to the studio. AR, Tazo are over there. So bring them over. Now all three of them are working together and they're kind of combining their their viewers. And the crazy thing about this is none of them use Instagram. <laughs> uh, yeah, when you told me that before we started the podcast, it blew my mind. None of these guys are using Instagram and they're all getting... They're all streaming way higher than crazy. people with 50, 20, 50,000 followers. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. these guys, like, I think AR and Rocco just started using Instagram and they have under 2,000 followers. You know what I'm saying? Like these guys have no... Tazo, I always tell him to use Instagram. He said he lost his password and has no interest in finding it. And he has like two <laughs> pictures up. But um, That's hilarious, man. But are they... So it's only on YouTube or is the music everywhere? Nah. So, and this always be blowing people's mind when I say this, but the whole drill movement and the whole Brooklyn rap movement, this social media they use is Facebook. So I tell any A&R... Yo, if you're really serious about this drill shit and you really want to sign a, a a drill artist, you need to go make a Facebook account. I'm serious. That's where I, that's where I find all these guys. Like I literally use my Facebook because, yo, even when these big artists that have a bunch of viewers on YouTube, like they're beefing on Facebook with each other. They're talking shit to each other and like all this stuff. It's all on Facebook. So Tazo. Gets three hundred thousand. He's got a he's got a song with six hundred thousand views. Okay, like so he gets three hundred thousand views. You're like, yo, where the fuck does this shit come from? He doesn't have an Instagram. You know what I'm saying? And it's not posted on his Instagram. And then you go to Facebook and you realize hundreds of kids are sharing this song. Like mad kids are sharing this song on Facebook, and all these comments on the YouTube page, like they're coming from Facebook. And you know, I used to get, you know, I used to have um like uh music industry people be like oh yeah they're buying these views like these views are fake views and you know i i invite anybody to go look up tazo b26ar and rocco videos that that thinks they know what they're talking about when it comes to like peeping out fake views you can look at the stats you can look at the engagement and shit like that like it's very like the comments are all very specific to them and the you know what i mean yeah. like this is real genuine views they're getting not using instagram so that's part of the thing i love is kind of like we're kind of removed from like the the cloudy Instagram aspect of all this, like we're literally just been hitting people with videos, getting mad views, and have having people like scratching their heads, like yo, how's this even happening? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we got to dive deeper into this, bro. This is this is awesome to hear. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, is it on Spotify? Nah, it's not on Apple Music. It's bro, not- we don't got nothing to do with like we like when when I release this tape, it's gonna be on Spotify and Apple. This is gonna be their first ever. Spotify Apple release. Okay. And when but this like, podcast goes live, we'll have the music for everyone listening. We'll have the music of everyone he's talking about in our playlist. So you'll be able to check them all out, including Lil yeah. TJ and uh, Jay Critch as well. But everyone he's talking about, we'll have it in the playlist. So you guys can all check out the music. Yeah. They, yeah. We, we uploading all those for the first time this week. All the videos we have out on YouTube are going to be out. We still, we already have five videos shot and on YouTube from the tape. So um, it was really like, you know, it, it's a little, it's a little like um, confusing or strange, I'm sure, for like people just hearing out about it out of the blue. But this like Facebook YouTube culture has been going on for probably since 2014. You know, Chef G came up out of that, the Facebook YouTube shit. Um, Favi, OMBJD, Busy Banks. It's all coming from Facebook YouTube. It there's no Spotify, Apple, like now there now there is, but I'm talking about how the movement was birthed. Cause I remember I was making music. If you go back to 2015, I have drill songs with 2605. Those were those were just the only drill artists I was working with, and they all got indicted in 2016. So that's why I kind of stopped making drill music for a little while. And now they're all coming home, ironically, at this point that drill is surfacing on the mainstream. So wow. It's kind of crazy timing, but if you go back to 2016, like I got drill songs with like 700,000 views on YouTube and the artists don't have Instagrams and like 
people used to ask me back then four years ago, they're like, yo, like, are these views fake? Because these guys don't have social media and they're getting all these fucking views. And I'm like, nah, bro, like Brooklyn scene is really tapped into this Facebook shit. And like, there's like these three or four YouTube accounts, you know, um, Raps and Hustles, Bliggity, Flotastic, like they're kind of like the platforms, like the little mini Cole Bennett's of the hood that just get all these people put their videos out and all these people just watch them like it's a fucking TV show. And the show has been running for four years now and people are just starting to find out about it. And they're big, they're big on Facebook too? Everything, yeah. The, the the video directors? Yeah, yeah. Everything takes place on Facebook. And there's like Facebook groups that promote the music? Is that like nah, where? No, it's not organized like that. It's okay. literally just individuals, you know? That's crazy. Yeah, it's like not, there's no adult involved in any of this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so how old, you, you were telling me off off air, like how old the artists yeah, are, Ta- but I forgot. Tazo's 16. Okay. Rocco's 17 and AR 21. So... They're all young as hell. You know what you I'm saying? You think that's part of it? Or you think it's just the of movement course. that's Facebook? So their nah, age is part of the, the Facebook, Facebook thing? Bro, Facebook has way less restrictions. You know, you, you don't got to be PC on, on Facebook. You know, Twitter, you say the wrong thing, you can get your Twitter account suspended. You know what I mean? Facebook, you could be harassing people, posting crazy shit, like crazy content, and it's not going to get taken down. So, And I think it's also more like... Not even like a why, but just like people started on Facebook. It got big there and it just didn't leave. Yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. It's like no one, it's not like a bunch of people ran up in, in Brooklyn. They were like, yo, y'all need to all start using Instagram now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's like, it's not even like a, a why thing. It's just like, man, that's where it is. It's Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Facebook is social media too. You know what I mean? So that's how people are sharing it. If that's how they're getting their views up, you know what I mean? That's that's what's working, you know. I think the ultimate goal is to get someone, though, from that the way Pop Smoke did. Because, you know, Pop Smoke most likely started, you know, I know Favi did just YouTube, Facebook shit. You know what I'm saying? But then he crossed over to kind of Instagram, radio, mainstream world. So then that's how you really have the streets and you really have, like, the industry. Like, I'd I be like, yo, Facebook is the streets and IG is the industry. If you got Facebook, you got the streets. Like, if you popping on Facebook, you know what I mean? So That's a cool way of looking at it. Yeah. That's great, man. Um, For everyone listening, like, if they want to check out these artists you're talking about on YouTube, like, what's the one video you'd have them start with? Like, out of any of them, but just, like, one video for them to check out. Man, it's like I was telling you before, like the reason I love working with these three kids is they have three very different styles and everyone has a, a favorite, you know? So, um, you know, the thing, the other thing I love about them is they're very consistent. It's not like a lot of these other artists where it's like, yeah, they have one undeniable song and everything else is crap. So go look <laughs> at the good song. It's like, nah, like go just look up their names. But just Literally, search their names on just YouTube. Just search their names. And watch the videos. You know what I mean? I'm not even going to... Like, I, I genuinely don't have a favorite song from any of them. That's cool. That's really cool. And, um, and you know, I think that, like, you watch it, you're either a fan of what's going on or you're not. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, um, That's how it is a lot of times with all the good stuff. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think a lot of people just look for that artist where it's like, yeah, we don't even necessarily care about this guy, but, like, there's a lot of buzz around this song. So we're just going to tell everybody to watch this song or this video because we're trying to make it go viral. Like, I'm not trying to make a Rocco Ballin song go viral or a Tazo B song go viral. I'm trying to get people to see how talented and con- consistent these guys are. So, you know, I wouldn't even say like, oh, yeah, just this one, one song you guys could look up. So Makes sense. Cool, man. Well, yeah, I think everyone listening is checking out their Facebook account right now and trying to <laughs> trying to step up their yeah, game. Yeah, reactivate, trying to find their old Facebook uh, passwords, right? <laughs> like, shit, what was that shit? I ain't log in since 2012. <laughs> yeah, man. It's but, true. I was, I, I was telling, I was telling, because, you know, we got like an ad agency that's interested in like, they're like a huge um, fan of, of what's going on. They're trying to get involved. And they're asking me about all these questions and they're like, Facebook? Like what? Like, like it was just like, this is blowing my fucking mind right now, man. Like 
I'm like, yeah, bro, activate that account, man. <laughs> oh my god! All right, well, I'll, like I said, I'm gonna have all the songs in the playlist, and then uh, you know, everyone should just YouTube their names. But getting back to um, you know, your career as a producer, man, I wanted to ask you, like, with the producer grind, there's a lot of aspects to it, and I manage a producer myself, so I see it firsthand. But for everyone listening who's not familiar, like, what's something about being a producer that people don't know about? You know, like, what's something that you go through or that you face often that like people don't really know going into the game or they're not expecting to get those type of experiences being a producer? Um, well first, like I would say, first of all, that there are different kinds of producers. Um, and depending on what road you want to take, it's going to be a vastly different lifestyle. There are producers that I consider beat makers and they live pretty normal lives. You know what I mean? They might go home at eight at night and to their family and like, they just crank out beats all day and they send them out to a million people, whether they're other producers or artists or managers and A&Rs. And, um, that lifestyle is kind of what it seems, you know what I mean? Like you just cook up all day and then you go home to like your like wife and child and like, it's chill, you know what I mean? And and it's like a nice like um it's like a nice way to maintain your sanity, I guess. And then, you know, there are producers that kind of um base their shit more off networking. Like, yo, I'm gonna I'm either gonna be an artist developer, like I'm gonna find new artists, I'm gonna try to develop them, or um like I'm gonna um I'm gonna go around to big studios and be with, you know, get placements a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like build relationships with big artists or A&Rs. And I think that, um, I guess to answer your question, it's like what people don't realize is there's, there is like a lifestyle choice that you have to make to, to be in line with what you want, what kind of producer you want to be. You know what I mean? If you want to be a producer that is really out, like, like, like making moves, networking and like not um, just making beats like you can't really live a normal life. You're going to be awake for days at a time. Um, and, um, you know, I think this isn't just for being a producer. I think this is just for being in any freelance industry, creative industry. You know, there's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of songs you will make that you think will change your life that either won't change your life or won't come out. There's a lot of relationships you're going to make with people that will end suddenly for seemingly no reason. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. stuff like that that will, that, <laughs> that will happen to you. And you just have to be, you have to really know yourself to be part of this industry. Like you have to really know who you are and what matters to you because there will be things that will challenge your ego and your pride and just your image of yourself. And you have to be able to get through that, like knowing that you're solid with yourself. I think, you know what I mean? There are going to be things that happen that no matter how genuine and honest you are, you're going to be like, damn, like, you know, how'd this play out like this? And I think it's just going to be very important, you know, through those times that you, you maintain a sense of self. I think it's like actually very, um, there's a lot more, um, I, I pay a lot of attention to my psychological health. And I think that that's something that people really need to do when they get in, when they get into this. Um, you know, I, I saw, saw Lior Cohen interview once and one thing that stuck out to me, they were like, would you have any, advice to people coming into the industry and not to quote him verbatim, but basically the gist of what he was saying was you need to love this enough to get yourself through the low times. Cause the low times are going to be very low and it's going to be what separates the people that are made to do this versus the people that just like kind of wanted to do it or thought they were made to do it. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's some great advice, man. And you're right. There are different uh, paths for being a producer and to build on what you were saying, you know, some people are 
you know, more likely a beat maker and some people are more hands-on in the studio. And then, you know, you could be in between as well. I've seen it happen like that where you make 100%. beats all day long, but then you go in with certain artists and it's a lot of ways to cut it. But I like what you were saying, how figure out which one you want to be first, you know, like figure out what type of producer you want to be first and then, then have a go at it. Maybe try it out. And if it doesn't work, pivot, but at least have a plan. I like that. I never even thought about it like that. It's very important. Yeah, I think a lot of people just start on their computer first, you know. Yeah. Most people just start out on their computer making beats and just try to try to get someone to rap on it. And then the thing, and then the reason that is so important is because, you know, we live in a, an era of comparison. Everyone's always comparing themselves to other people that have similar jobs or, you know, lifestyles as them, but better off, you know what I mean? And I think that when you're a producer, it's like, if you're going to compare yourself, which all of us do, whether we want to admit it or not, like you should at least know if you're comparing yourself to someone that's even doing the same thing yeah. as you. <laughs> you know, I'm like, damn, this guy got all these like crazy placements and like he do he doesn't like leave his his crib. He's in Germany, like getting all these placements. And it's like, all right, well, this person's lifestyle is being in his room all day, cranking out loops and emailing them to America which is not my lifestyle. So I should probably should stop trying to figure out what it is he's doing and just like, let him do his thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like my hustle is different. So I'm going to have different results and I'm going to have a different journey. So. Yeah. That's good advice just for life. You know, yeah. like, like pay attention to what you're actually doing. If you want to think about the results. Definitely. Yeah. Think more about the process. That's cool, man. Um, so for everyone listening, I want to also talk about your placements that you've had. Like maybe mention a couple of the ones that they would, that they've either have heard or that they should hear. Yeah, definitely. So, um, um, like I said, you know, 2020, I've been like, I've been like all in with developing these three artists. You know, I've, I've obviously been working with, um, like, um, uh, the same same guys as always like i've been be working with jake rich always like um i think my most notable song with him is probably smutty the intro to his uh to his hood fave tape um i did that with tony seltzer that was definitely like a big record for us but um you know we've done we've done a, a ton of other songs with jake rich he actually gave us a song for our tape bully which uh we released last year um and then with TJ, we did uh, Too Many. Again, that was like one of his early, early songs um, um, before he ever had like any project out or anything like that. And then um, Smoke Perp, I was definitely working with for a long time. He he put me on to like a, a lot of shit. So Smoke Perp and me probably got like, I think 120 songs recorded. Damn. And we've released a bunch. I think the most notable were like Sauce Like This, Best Friend. Um, I did his intro too for uh, the Lost Planet with Gunna. Um, and um, um, is that song called Baguette or was yeah, that? Yeah, Baguettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, we had done we had done a lot. We had done a lot of records. Um, and. Um, you know, that's what I was saying. It's like you do so many records. Like, don't, <laughs> don't, don't bet, bet on them. Just do a good record and then try to make another good record. You know what I mean? Um, and then I think probably like um, my no, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with a lot. I've worked with a lot of people. You know, I started working with French and Harry. I did a bunch of stuff off Mac and Cheese. Um, and then, um, Base and then I think the 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 project that I'm the proudest of that I contributed to was Ski Mask Stokely, um, just because I feel like not only was it like my first plaque, like it went gold, so it was like my first plaque, and um, but it was it was really like a project that made um a lot of noise and like was important to people that I could like confidently say like it wouldn't have been the same without me. Like I, I contributed probably to like six to eight songs on that project. Damn. Um, produced three of them, recorded a lot of them. But like aside from working so much on the project and him recording the majority of it at off record because he lived in New York at the time, it was like 
a lot of artists are like, yeah, come through. We're going to smoke weed and like load up beats and like you're going to get on these beats and like we're going to put the songs out. You know what I mean? But Ski was really like we had like formed a bond over that time and like the music making process was very therapeutic. You know, during that that time, like um, his friend X had passed away and like he came to my studio that night and like... um and like we, it was, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get too into personal stuff, but you know, it was like a very breakthrough night, not just emotionally for us, but creatively too. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. And like, we, you know, out of that, like we made the intro to his album so high, which is him singing over guitar, which he had never done before. We were just outside. He was like, yo man, like, I just want to like do something like, like heartfelt like I don't want to just like rap fast over a hard beat I was like yo let's just do something out of pocket bro let me play you some fucking guitar loops you know what I'm saying he was like fuck it like so it was like I felt like I was truly involved in the making of Stokely yeah whereas other projects where I might have just as many placements on it it wasn't like uh bigger than a musical experience for me like stokely was bigger than music for me and i think that was i think that was why i was so proud um that it did so well you know especially because like it was it was a point where like his project before didn't do well um and he didn't like the project before so like it was kind of like all right well this is like the comeback right like let's let's make it happen and it, it really happened and it was just like a very very golden moment in my in my career even though you know it's not like I got like a famous off it or I wasn't even really part of any of the write-ups or anything because I was behind the scenes with like 2,000 followers and shit but like you know people that were involved know you know what I'm saying like how how um instrumental me and just off record the guys that off record were towards it so you know um yeah that one that one was definitely an important one out of all of them. What's your favorite song on that project? Um, I really like Foot Fungus by Kenny Beats. Yeah. I mean, my songs definitely not because I listened to them so many fucking times <laughs> mixing and recording them. So um, I would say Foot Fungus I really enjoyed. And like even like I had um, linked Kenny and Ski. Like Kenny was like, yo, I want to like link Ski. And I was like, bro, like bring him to off record. They just met here. We wild out. We're chilling for like two days straight in here making music and shit. So it's like every aspect of the project that kind of put together, I was at least like there for or a part of. So That's it cool. was like, yeah, it was, it was, it, it definitely, it definitely meant a lot that I got to be, that I got to be a part of that, you know? That's cool, man. And talking about off record and how we're here right now, like what is your relationship with off records and like, the people who work here, the other producers, but also just like in general, like what, how are you related to the to well, off record? Well, off record is, is my kid. You know, I'm the dad of off record. Um, I made the name, the, um, the brand. I found the studio space. I recruited my team. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Nah, this was this the off record is me. So, um, I have partners, you know, Eli and Dylan, and this shit would not run without them. Um, and like they're bosses, you know what I'm saying? Um, but like the actual inception of off record was me. Like I had been, um, making money, not so legally. And, you know, I kind of was just like good at what I was doing I was, uh, you know, like I, I was good at getting money, but there was really no purpose for it. And I was like, yo, like, like, I want to get rappers on my beats. How am I going to do that? And I was like, yo, one thing rappers need is a studio. They always need a studio. So I was like, if I build a crazy ass studio and I get, and then I get rappers to come through and, and, you know, record their songs. And then I, I slick you know, show them some beats. You know, I know a lot of rappers like, oh, I hate when engineers show me beats, but I really believed in my shit. So I was like, you know, if I do that, like, you know, maybe we could, maybe we can make something happen and I can make money off the shit. So in the beginning when I had built this and like, we built off record, like just, just the three of us, like with our bare hands and like Home Depot would, like <sighs> real shit. Like none of this, we didn't have a team help us build this or nothing like that. We built it and we would have, 
It looks really good. Appreciate especially it. Appreciate if, it. Especially if you built it yourself. Yeah, we raised these <laughs> floors, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> built all these shits. But, um, um, what happened was when we first, when we first made it, you know what I mean? We were having rappers come through. They know the fuck I was. And I was just a, a guy that was like, yo, I'll record you. And for these big artists, I was like, man, I'll record you for free. You don't even got to get on my beats. Like, I just need to get people in here talking about this space. So for the first year, man, I probably worked harder than anybody in the fucking world that first year. Like, I don't think, like, boy, I wasn't sleeping. I, was, I wasn't making money. I was eating ramen noodles. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would, because it was really like the investment year. Like, I knew what I had to do. Like, I recorded... I recorded the Live, Shine, Die Uno project for free. It took like goddamn days, hours and hours a day. And I, you know what I'm saying? I don't even think I got thanked for that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like he was just like, oh, this random ass kid want to let me use his studio? I bet he came through, recorded the whole shit. And that was it. You know what I'm saying? It, it would be shit like that. It would be like real 24 hour sessions that I was not asking for money. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't like, oh, well, you know, like, it's this man. Like, I really was just trying to get people talking about my space. That was step one. Get people talking about the space. All right, cool. Now I could put a dollar on the hour. You know what I'm saying? And, like, really what I did was, like, someone would come through and I wouldn't even tell them that I produced. I would just, like, let them run their session and I would show them that I was a very good engineer and that I was very good at relating to the artist and seeing what the artist wanted. So the artist would like, like me and respect yeah, me first okay. as a collaborator. And then I would wait for a time, you know, with perp one day he was just going through beats that he wasn't fucking with. He was like, man, I ain't fucking with none of these beats. He was like, yo, you can make beats. And I was like, yeah, I'll make a beat right in front of you right now. We made, I made a beat <laughs> right in front of him. We recorded it and released it in middle school. And that was like the first one that was back in 20, 2017, I think. 2016, maybe. It was a long fucking time ago. Ski Mask, same thing. You know, he was just like not feeling the beats in his pack. I was like, man, I'll play some shit for you. First joint I played was the beat for Ankle, which came out. You know what I'm saying? So um, it really was like I would just wait for those times. Same with Jay Critch. Like I would just wait for the time. And then before I knew it, I was like, man, this ain't coincidence that every rapper I'm playing a beat for is getting on the beat and yeah. releasing the song. I was like, I know I got something going on here. So that's when I was like, all right, now I'm going to turn the attention of this being like a creative house. You know what I'm saying? So then I was, it kind of went back to me inviting artists over and not charging them and just so I could, we could make as many records as possible. You know what I'm saying? Because at this point now I'm getting paid for the beats. I'm getting paid producer fees. So I'm like, fuck the hourly. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just, you know what I'm saying? So I have Jay Critch in my studio for fucking 20 hours recording a, a song like Smutty. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I'm not charging him for the hour, but if I was charging for the hour, we probably wouldn't have made that song and it wouldn't yeah. have come out. You know yeah. what I mean? So it was all in stages. It was very methodical. It was very like, um, me knowing that I wasn't nobody and I had no cosigns and no one was going to look out for me. So I had to find a little unconventional way to get in these guys' ears. You know what I'm saying? So It worked. Yeah, I mean, it, it worked, you know. Took took a few years, but... And then now, 2018 and 2019 was very good to me. Like, I, I, I was getting, like, a lot of big placements and shit like that. And I was like, man, like, what I really want to do, even though I love working with these artists and like all those artists were very, very cool to me. You know what I'm saying? I still didn't feel like I had any control or say over what was going on. We were just making songs and maybe one day they'll come out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe not. It doesn't, it's not really in totally in the artist control when it's a big artist. So I was like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to grind these two years out. I'm going to get my money up and get like my name up at least a little bit to the point that I could be getting my placements, getting my money, and then I'd be comfortable. And then I'm developing something from ground zero. Because th that's really the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Is like make something from nothing and make it really something. Um, so that, that's that been my goal this year. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I stacked a little bread up to so that I can go a little bit on a hiatus from the from the industry. And like... 
I've really been putting my all into developing these three artists and um, I give them all my resources. It's almost like it's 2015 again. You know what I'm saying? I'm not working for no money, not making no money off these kids. We just grinding every day. But the beauty of it is, man, we make a song and we like it. I go hit the video guy and then we got the video out the next week. And like that is like the that brings me more joy than like a, a check for a couple racks. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Ha- being in this like this like flow right now that we're in right now where numbers are going up, engagement is going up. And like, yeah, when I do a song for Smoke Purp, it gets millions of views. And when I do a song for these kids, it might get 100,000 views. But getting 100,000 views with a, a someone who's no one yet and that no one has heard of is way more exciting to me than getting a million views when anybody could have made that beat. And because the artist is big, is gonna get it's gonna get millions of views. You know what I'm saying? It's like to to make something stream when you're when you're not anybody and people don't know who you are. Like that means that it has to be special in some way. Yeah, you know what I mean, so I have the same mentality in a lot of in a lot of aspects of life, man. Like even with the playlist, when I uh, put a song on that's small and I see the see the impact of the playlist, you know that means more to me than like anything of else. Of course, because this is you being like, wow, I'm really like changing things and like affecting change and influencing things as opposed to I'm just part of this machine which is already built <laughs> which is going to run the same way with or without me you know what I'm saying especially with you know a lot of people get tight when I say this but like man like making beats ain't that hard these days you know what I mean when I first started making beats man and all these sounds weren't available and splice wasn't available and like loops weren't a thing like bro making beats was difficult you had to really be a sound genius like you had to really understand the relationship of sonics and like how to make your drum slap if you wanted to make a good beat and now it's like bro i'll teach a fit fucking 14 year old how to make a beat (laughs) that slaps probably in an hour and he could just go run with that and make beats for the rest of his life it's it's really that easy now i hate to say it i don't care how i make certain producers feel so um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that special to like hear a cool beat, um, and be like, yo, like I made a cool ba- beat and then like made it to, to Lil Baby's album. Cause it's like, yeah, like you and a million other people could have made that exact same fucking beat. And you know what I'm saying? Like I just, it got to a point where I was getting these placements and I just wasn't feeling special about them. I was like, man, this sounds just like the beat after my beat. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, maybe I did some extra shit, hired a guitar player, chopped it up, did all this crazy shit. No one cares that I did all that. The kid next to me could have been some 14-year-old that took a guitar loop off Splice and put some Splice drums over it. And no one actually, like, I don't care. Like, I don't care how the beat gets made. Like, as long as it's hot, I'm not sitting there like, I wonder how this producer actually got here. You know what I'm saying? So... I feel like now that we're here, it's like, all right, what's going to really like make you stand out as a producer? Because, you know, it's just too easy to make a beat that hits now. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you need to bring something more than more than Sonics to the table now, I feel like. you know. So breaking an artist is your next goal then? 100%. For a lot of reasons. 100%. I love it, bro. No, I think that really stamps producers in a different light when they break an artist. Definitely. Definitely. I think, um, I mean, every producer that I know that's like successful has been like, yo, bro, you need an ace in a hole. You know what I'm saying? You need to show the people that it's like you gave someone special, something special that they they wouldn't be them without you. You know? Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, yo, man, my last question for you, for everyone listening, you know, there's a lot of emerging producers, a lot of emerging managers, a lot of people who want to be a producer. Like, do you have a manager? Do you have a big team? Do you have a lawyer? Like, do you have like these people mm-hmm. in place to help you make plays or like, how are you navigating right now? Cause no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm the playmaker. I'm the playmaker. I don't got nobody. What advice do you have for anyone out there who's listening to like, I got a lawyer. I got a lawyer. Shout out Adam Freeman. That's my guy. So the lawyer helps you with the producer agreements. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lawyer to help me with the producer agreements. Also, you know, I always recommend that producers never talk business with artists that always sullies relationships pretty quickly so one thing that's always been good for me is i've always been like yo listen man if you got a money question just hit my lawyer you know what i'm saying he's gonna deal with all that so i do have a lawyer i've never had a manager i've never had like um 
I've never had a person get me placements or put me in rooms with people or get me like um, money ever. So that is another thing that I'm like almost obsessive that people know about me is like, bro, everything you see is me. You know what I'm saying? This studio we're sitting in, my placements, the money that I have, the the music that I'm even teaching, you know, the the way that I learned how, how to make beats and move in this industry. Like, of course, I've had friends and I've taken advice and learned messages along the way. But at the end of the day, like, nah, like it's not there hasn't been like a like um, a mentor or like a person that's going to look out for me or that is higher up than me. That's going to tell everybody to fuck with me like I've never had that. And that, that's something that a lot of people have, whether you know it or not, a lot of people have cosigns and that's kind of what even gets them making music in the first place. And for me, like I do take pride in saying like I've, ne- I've never had cosigns and I've never really had people like um, make sure that I, I get get an opportunity or that I'm, I'm situated. So um, I've done that for a lot of people. So um, I think that's like one of the things that like I do... Um, I am a little cocky about, I guess. Yeah, that's cool, man. You know, like like you were saying, a lot of people do have these connections. Would you be open to working with the right manager? Like if they came along or what would they have to bring to the table? Of course, of course. They would just, man, like a lot of people have offered to be my manager. Um, You just have to really believe in me, man. I don't even really care if you're the most connected guy or not, but like you have to like really believe in me. And I think it's hard for a producer to find someone like that. I think people are looking for artists to believe in because obviously there's a lot more money to make there. Um, But I think a lot of people looking to be managers to producers are a little nonchalant about it. And I, I, I don't, I don't need a nonchalant manager. I don't even need a 95% manager. I need a manager who's smarter and harder working than me in that field. And, you know, I haven't found him yet. So, yeah, don't settle. That, that, that's good advice. Is you need someone who really believes in you. Sometimes I tell it's people better to have no team than a bad team. Yeah, seriously, you don't want a bunch of yes men, or you don't want a bunch of people wasting your time or making you move slower. Exactly. Definitely don't want that. And also, it's like if people see that your team isn't like obsessed with you making it, then it just looks bad on you. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're, if the person representing you isn't like really going for you, then it's like, even when you're not there, people could be making you look bad. You know what I'm saying? So again, like I'll know, I'll know who the person is if I meet him, I guess. But you know, for me, I've been, I've been handling my own just fine. Hell Yeah. Well, yo, man, I'm excited to hear the tape on the 13th. I'm excited to, well, when this comes out, it'll already be out for maybe a week or two, but I'm excited for to hear it myself personally right now. And then yeah. I'm excited to see what you do for the rest of the year, man. Sounds Appreciate like this is going to be a pretty big year in your life. Uh, man, I hope so, man. It's uh, It's been a lot of work so far and it's been a lot of blessings so far. So we're just trying to keep it going. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you for having me, Brody. I did so rich if you rich. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, subscribe, rate, and review. And stay tuned for episodes every Monday.